Thank you for listening to the Screeners Podcast. I wanted to take a moment and let you know that we experienced some minor audio difficulties with my microphone. Sorry about that. We promised we'll get it fixed for future recordings. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Enjoy. This week, we talk all things Oscar, chat about J.J. Abrams, the release of the PlayStation 4, the best and worst of 2012, and talk about what we're excited about seeing on our screens in 2013. Let's go. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey guys, welcome to the inaugural show of the Screeners Podcast. We're four friends with backgrounds in the production industry who, after many conversations and arguments about all things media, thought the best thing to do to strengthen our friendship or destroy it would be to hit record and let you join the conversation. My name is Chad, and with me are Chris. Hey. Melody. Hey, guys. And Josh. Hey. And we are your co-hosts for the Screeners Podcast. I'll tell you a little bit about Melody. Melody is a good friend of mine who I met when she was in college. Melody is uh, a dork of all trades, uh, loves film, loves Star Trek, uh, and worked in the production industry until she became a mommy. So she's a mother of two, but still holds her geek status in all things media. And she's a good friend of mine. So Melody, how are you today? Doing good. Super excited to be on the podcast, and uh, I'm definitely honored that these boys asked me to be on the podcast. Uh, I will do my best to keep them civilized and hopefully add a little different perspective to the mix. Good luck. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going to introduce Josh. This guy I have known since high school, actually. We go way, way back. He is part programmer, part linguist, and all genius, I would like to say. He is like crazy intelligent. He has worked kind of in many areas of the media industry. He's worked at a movie theater, worked for a production company, and um, definitely knows a lot about the industry. He may sound a little grumpy to all of you, but he always brings an interesting perspective to any discussion. So we're super excited to have him on the screeners podcast how's it going josh pretty good pretty good thank you for being um way too nice to me way yeah. nicer than i deserve i agreed um, yeah. on that one josh yeah. Yeah. you so, know i love you i should add that that whole movie theater and production company thing was a few years ago um last friday and this is 100 percent true so can't make this up last friday uh our neighbors were getting new sprinklers installed and our fiber line for our Fios runs right through their yard, and they oh. slice that thing in two. We had no internet, TV, or phone um, all day on Friday, so we stayed in, and <laughs> we wanted to see something that neither of us had seen before. So last Friday night, I saw for the first time Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Oh, nice. On, wow. here's the kicker, on HD DVD. Ooh. So, Pulling out the 360. Uh, yeah, remember those? Nice. I have one. Nice. Have seven movies, and that's about it. Um, so after that incredibly drawn-out intro, uh, I'm let sure. me introduce Chris to you. <laughs> wow. I'm sure the world is ready to hear from Josh. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, this is well, actually, that this is actually the Josh show. Is actually what this is. What did you have for lunch today, Josh? <laughs> uh, all right, so I have known Chris since high school. Melody, Chris, and I all met in high school. 
Today, Chris is a successful entrepreneur and owns his own video production company. Um, he is also a geek. He loves movies, video games, just about everything but books. Uh, <laughs> loves technology. Describes himself as a technology evangelist. What he really means is he's an Apple fanboy. But mm. that's okay. We love him anyway. And so, Chris, tell us a bit about yourself since I have monopolized the last 20 minutes of our show. <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. Uh, I enjoy being able to uh, have great conversations with folks who have similar interests, and I'm excited to be able to discuss um, some of these uh, social and cultural uh, things that pop up in the uh, in the media world. So I'm just excited to be able to talk about it and uh, have now an outlet to do so. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm even more excited, however, to introduce the next screener, and that is Chad to you guys. Now, Chad, uh, he's an interesting fellow. Um, he is a corporate media coordinator. He's an avid editor. Uh, and for those of you who might not know what that is, it's a pretty specialized uh, video editor. It's uh, one of the high-tech uh, pieces of equipment that uh, big-budget productions use. Uh, I'd say most of the Oscar-nominated films were probably edited on an Avid machine. Um, and so Avid uh, definitely knows what he's doing there. Uh, he's a director. He's worked uh, in the field on many different video productions. Um, and uh, he's, also a, uh, he's also a barbershopper. Uh, I have no idea what that has to do with our podcast or media. But um, uh, Chad, why don't you go ahead and uh, sing us something? No, it just means I'm a geek, Chris. It just means I'm a geek. Uh, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Do you wear one of those uh, silly hats? Yes, I try to wear garters on my arms as much as possible. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, guys, the good news about this whole situation is that you won't have to sit through that every week, but we wanted to take just a few minutes today and give you a chance to know who we are. And what we're going to do now is Josh is going to tell you a little bit about the format of the screeners. Each week we're going to do something that we think is really cool that's going to jump around uh, the world of media. Josh, tell us a little bit about Jump Cuts. Jump Cuts is, gonna, is kind of our lightning round here on the podcast. Everyone gets one minute or less. Chris has our first question this week, so why don't we go ahead and jump right into it. Jump Cut. All right, guys, there is a right and a wrong answer for this. J.J. Abrams directing Star Trek and Star Wars, good or bad? Chad, go. It is not only good, it is amazingly good. He is a Star Wars geek first, and he did amazing things with Star Trek. I'm sure some of you will disagree. I think what he did with Star Trek was fantastic, and I can't even wait to see what he's going to do with something he actually really cares deeply about. Totally good thing. Melody. In my opinion, it is good for Star Wars, but bad for Star Trek, so it's bad. Josh, what say you? Giving J.J. Abrams Star Wars is like giving a Thomas Kincaid painting and a bowl of finger paint to a three-year-old. They can't make it any worse. Maybe they'll come up with something that at the end resembles some kind of commentary on the original. The mistake was giving him Star Trek, which is fundamentally about human nature and ethics. Star Wars already has its pseudo-religious baggage that comes with it, its unanswered <laughs> questions, its metachlorians, and he will do wonderful with that. Enjoy it, J.J. Abrams. Stay away from Star Trek. Where's the gong? Can I gong this? <laughs> All right. Well, here, 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 here's my input. Uh, I, I kind of side a little bit both on uh, Josh's and Melody's side. I think that Star Trek was a wonderful film, but everybody said that was like Star Wars. I mean, they, they already made the comparison. That it was a little bit more uh, happy-go-lucky, not a whole lot of real sci-fi, you know, 
uh, weight. And so I, I'm excited to actually see what he'll do with Star Wars, being that that is the more action-adventure movie series. Star Trek has always been something that should make you think and uh, does a really good job at it. So, uh, But at the same time, man, Star Trek 2009 was a great film, and I'm super excited about Into Darkness. But it would be interesting to see what somebody who truly loves Star Trek uh, can do with that property. And I think J.J. will do a great, great job with Star Wars. Chad, I've got a question. Why does it sound like you're in like an empty room? <laughs> yeah, good well, question. Well, because I am, because my microphone ate itself today and it hates me. Uh, okay, boys, this is the lightning round. <laughs> oh, that's right. So we're going to go now? ahead and move on to the next question. All right. Which is mine. Which happens to be yours. Indeed it does. <laughs> so my question running. is, what is your most anticipated upcoming movie of 2013? Josh. Well, since I follow the industry so closely um, and I, I have this whole list, I don't know, um, maybe before midnight because Linklater hasn't done anything in several years. I'm looking forward to seeing it, except I still need to see Before Sunset. <sighs> that Ender's Game or the Anchorman sequel. Oh my gosh! That's all I got. Interesting choices there, Josh. <laughs> Chris, how about you? All right. Well, I made a huge list as well, and I think maybe we can go into them. I don't know if we no, most anticipated uh, movie. But I would definitely say the one that I've already mentioned, which is Star Trek Into Darkness. Chad, what about you? No doubt. Da, 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 da. Man of Steel. I am a Superman dork from way back. And when Zack Snyder was first announced, I was not excited. And then I've seen the trailer since then. And I couldn't be more excited. It is going to be fantastic. Can't wait. Man of Steel. Yes, I would definitely agree. That is on my top three list. But my number one, hands down, definitely Star Trek Into Darkness. You've got Star Trek, you've got JJ, and you've got Benedict Cumberbatch. So it's going to be awesome. Star Trek wins. I can't believe that's someone's Indeed name. Indeed it is. And that someone is awesome. Yeah, Star Trek. I'm surrounded by Trekkies. Well, that's good. That's not surprising. So let's jump to my question now, guys. So uh, on the Screeners podcast, it's not all about movies. We're going to talk about the big screen, the small screen, and whatever screen uh, that you choose to play your video game. So we've recently had a big announcement in the video game world, and that is the PS4. So I'm interested to see what you guys think about the recent Sony announcement about the PlayStation 4. Melody, what do you think? Um, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> and there you have it. <laughs> Would you like to elaborate or is that just the end of the story? It's the lightning round, right? Uh, she wins. Uh, <laughs> Victory. I'm sure that you guys will have much more interesting input than now, I will on you this are, specific question. You, you do game. You just don't game on the PlayStation, right? Right. Okay. All right, Josh. I uh, can't wait to hear your answer on the Sony PlayStation 4. I'm going to have to go with Melody on this one. The PS what? <laughs> go ahead and recap that announcement for me because I have no idea what it was. Well, as we have uh, isolated and lost all, all of our audience already. <laughs> this is a great topic. Our, our audience is discerning and they know that oh. Sony puts out crap. Well, and you. there goes the rest of them. Chris, any thoughts on the announcement of the PS4? You know, honestly, I don't have too much more to uh, to add. To wow. <laughs> except just to say, except just to say that I was I, I was genuinely excited. I actually watched it live while it was um, you streaming because they actually streamed the the announcement, and I just I was kind of bored. The thing that didn't really make sense to me is that they said, "Hey, this is a brand new system." We're super excited about it. 
you know, they listed off these specs and they uh, got all these game developers together and it looked like a great, well-produced show. But when you look at the, the meat and potatoes of the thing, most of the games they announced, in fact, you know, 99% of the games that they announced will all be released on other consoles and even many of them, even on the PS3. So like last generation's consoles are going to be getting the games on the new generation, which I don't think they've ever done before. Normally there's like this, you know, watershed kind of like uh, breaking of like, well, this game will only be on the PS4 and that's why you're going to buy it. But most of the announcement was like, this is going to be great. It's going to be amazing. You need a PS4. Also, it'll work on your PS3. And I'm like, uh, why? Why are they even announcing it? Why Why does anybody even care? And they didn't even show the stupid system itself. All they showed was the controller, which boggled my mind. I know people say, well, it doesn't matter. It's going to be a black box anyways. But if, if you're making the PS4 announcement and you don't show the physical object, I mean, I think that's kind of just stupid. I think you're wasting people's time. Yeah. So I think uh, Mel and I went short. <laughs> that was my intention. I, 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 I was taking a little bit of your time. Yeah, there was plenty left over. I agree with you, Chris, that I, I, I personally think Sony was probably just trying to do whatever they could to make sure that they made an announcement before Microsoft this time. I do think that my personal opinion is that I really I have a I have a PS3 that I have used almost 95% as a Blu-ray player. I believe I've played a couple of games that were exclusives, but for the most part, if it's multi-platform release, I play it on the 360 because Xbox Live is such a better environment for gaming with your friends. I think the yes, biggest got a share button right on the yeah, controller. Yeah, and, and right you know, there. people kind of make fun of that, but I really think PlayStation has, and Sony in particular, realized they missed the boat on on social before, and so they're wait just minute, trying to make home, sure that they didn't. Home was a really successful. Oh, it was great. If you like to. Uh, walk around and then have like little random dance parties with avatars. That was great. <laughs> but <clears throat> the biggest thing I think is that having a better processor, having more memory, etc., is not going to be enough, I think, to capture this next generation. I know Microsoft is talking about doing some things that seem to be a little bit more innovative with actually projecting things to the, onto the wall. And, you know, to me, that doesn't sound enticing. But to my younger brother, they'll think that's the coolest thing ever. And and the Connect interaction is supposed to be, the new Connect is supposed to be spectacular. So to me, it just seems like a little bit better graphics, faster. So just overall, meh, not really that interested. Microsoft's going to win is basically. I think so. Yeah. All right. So my question is all about regrets because I have many. Um, what is the <laughs> movie, movie or TV show that you have not seen but you really want to see it? Chris. I've got one of each, if that's all right. Uh, number one, this last year, I'll I allow missed, it. <laughs> I missed a Cloud Atlas, uh, and I really want to see it. Even though it, it's got very mixed reviews, I still desperately want to see that film, and I can't wait for it to come out on streaming, so that I can experience it. And then the television show that I've only seen bits and pieces of, but I've heard really great things about, is Justified. So, Justified and Cloud Atlas would be my two picks of this year. All right, Chad. Movie-wise, I don't think there's anything that I really wanted to see in 2000. I, well, I do want to see The Sessions. I've heard that that's pretty great, so I am interested in seeing that. But actually, believe it or not, TV, the show that I really am looking forward to seeing the most, is also Justified. I've heard lots of great things about it, but haven't seen anything yet, so I'm looking forward to uh, catching up on Justified. Well, two for Justified. Melody? Mine is actually one I'm not really sure I'm super proud to say, but I do want to see it, uh, and that would be The Walking Dead. Even though I feel like 
zombies are kind of come and gone and I'm a little bit tired of them. I have many friends and people that I respect their opinions who love the show. So eventually, perhaps I will see it. The Walking Dead's supposed to be a human drama. It's supposed to be really good. It's amazing. I haven't seen it either. I mean, that's kind of somewhere on my list. It's a great show. As you can imagine, my list is rather long. (laughs) You need to see The uh, Walking Dead right now. Just go see it. It's it's streaming live on. Well, yeah. So Netflix. there's The Walking Dead, but I think rather I think what tops my list TV show wise is House of Cards. Movie on the movie side, I don't know. It's gonna be sad, but I'd kind of like to see a more. Um, Cloud Ugh. Atlas would be on my list, but I've heard such bad things about it that it's kind of soured me yeah. on it. So yeah, House Cloud, of Cards. Cloud Atlas is actually pretty great. I think. Was it? I like. I was oh, so I excited about it from the trailer, but then everyone was like, "Wow, that was a pile of crap." I watched that trailer. I don't know how many times, and I just we just never got the opportunity to go out and see it. So I, I am, I cannot wait. Cool. All right, all right, it's time right. for the main event. Welcome to the main event. All right, guys, this next segment is called the main event, and we're going to talk, talk and discuss through at least one large topic every single week. And this week, we're going to be discussing the Oscars. Of course, uh, the big, uh, you know, award show thing thing. Anyway, uh, so I want to talk about uh, several topics. The first one is just our general impressions about the Oscars, not necessarily the awards themselves, but just the hosting, the presenters, the overall show, the, you know, the, the, the pomp and circumstance of it all and just kind of get your guys' general impressions on the Oscars. So anybody have any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I thought it was too long. The one thing that the recurring theme that kept aggravating me was what in the heck is with all this Chicago stuff? Just the, <laughs> I mean, there were two or three full production numbers about Chicago which, you know, won 10 years ago, but... I, they just, were they were celebrating music and film, and that was the only film with music. They also well, played Star Wars theme like three times. Yeah, what I found out after the fact was the producers of the Oscars this year were producers on the film Chicago. Uh-huh. How do you like that? So anyway, what did you guys so think? What did you think about Seth MacFarlane? Yeah, I was just about to say, Seth MacFarlane, I think, in my opinion, was made the Oscars bearable and funny. He did a lot of things that were completely... what. Well, I didn't see to be far outside the line. I mean, nothing that was oh. way far outside, but there was it was just hilarious. He did a good job of, of keeping it together and, and watchable and enjoyable. It's better than Hugh Jackman. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, he, I mean, come on. It wasn't stale. It felt kind of outside of the corporate lines that normally they draw. So I, I really enjoyed him. He, he told, I mean, some of my favorite things that I, there's coming up, some topics that we're going to talk about, like what was your favorite moment and all that kind of stuff. But, all I have to say is, is he brought Captain Kirk onto the stage, and we already established that. Uh, on the here we go. So the moment that I see Captain Kirk on the screen talking about how he's come back from the future to save Seth, I was in. Well, what I like you just depressed when you see Captain Kirk and Captain depressing. Kirk. What have you become? He he does look like he has guys, like a, a guys. Like he's a like scotch in his hands. He's like, like eighty-two ah. years old. Give him a break. I was nervous that something bad was going to happen. <laughs> well, the truth, what I like about Seth is that even though some of his stuff didn't work, he went for it every time. And so I like that better than like James Franco and Anne Hathaway, where it was just oh. atrociously oh. safe and boring. So I thought overall he, he did a, a good job. It's better to offend and, you know, kind of be all out there 
than just kind of play it safe and be completely boring. Like even like the Lincoln joke. Awesome. Hilarious. <laughs> was, I, I, I laughed out loud. I thought it was hilarious. I thought everybody's going to be talking about that is so funny. How brilliant is that? You know, the only person to get in deeper to Lincoln's head. I don't know about brilliant, but it was funny. <laughs> that was funny. And, and, well, I mean, and his follow-up was hilarious. Too soon? Too soon? Too soon? I mean, really? that's great. Really? Too soon? Yeah. hundred. What is it? 150 years yeah. or whatever? So, I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, that was that was funny. But then I read online like that, that was actually offended people. I'm like, I, who? Who is that offending? Yeah. No one. Yeah. No one. Somebody. I agree. Like, I'm not a Seth MacFarlane fan at all. I'm not a Family Guy fan. I refuse to watch Ted. So I was expecting to hate him, but I, I totally thought he did a good job. I would watch him do it again. I thought his singing was actually well. pretty well. Yeah, yeah pretty good. Totally. So, totally. Yeah. All right. I saw your boobs. That was that was the, pretty pretty great. Have you guys heard that? That, that was good song, on a couple levels. Huh? That song, the IMDb movies all that he sang in that song that listed off all the where all the boobies can be found. All those IMD movies have shot up. Right. Hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious. All right. So topic two, why don't we go ahead and rank our uh, top three of the Best Picture nominees. Talk about which ones would have been our top three picks. So we'll go around and everyone give their number three pick first, starting with myself. This was a, this was a tricky one for me because there's really like five that are in my top three. And this number three really shouldn't be in my top three but it it just has to be because i have much love for this film even though it was not perfect and that is lame is even though Uh. certain singing was beyond atrocious in it it was still very wonderful to see it on the big screen and in most of its glory and it, it had to be on my top three it just had to be chris what about you yeah, actually, Les Mis is uh, number three on my list as well. And I have to be honest, wow. I, haven't, I didn't see all of the all the nominated films. There are several on here that I have, I'm pretty ashamed that I wasn't able to see. In fact, when we were listing the, the films that we had not seen last year, one of them that I didn't say, I, I, I said uh, Cloud Atlas, but the other one I was going to say is Django Unchained. I've not uh. seen that film. So with that caveat, uh, I would just say that, that number three is Les Mis, even though... Again, I don't think it was a great film, but I've only got these 10 films to pick from, from, and so Les Mis, number three. Chad, what about you? And so just to be clear, so I'm sure I did this the right way, these are just our personal rankings of the Oscars, not our overall top three of 2012. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Were you not at the planning meeting? I was asleep. Uh, My number three is Django Unchained. I love Quentin Tarantino. This is, to me, a step below Inglorious Bastards, but still spectacular. Uh, I really loved it. Josh, you're number three. Uh, it's really tough. I have like a three-way tie for number three. There are three of these that I haven't seen, too. It's uh, For me, it's Zero Dark Thirty, Django Unchained, and Amour. Um, I've seen all the rest of them, but number three... Uh, put me on the spot. I'm going to have to go with Argo. I really want to put Les Mis there, but I, it just barely gets edged out by Argo, even though Les Mis is one of my all-time favorite stories. Mm. Fair enough. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. All right, so for my number two, I really had a, a three-way tie for my number two because, like I said, Les Mis just had to be, my, it had to be on the list. So for number two, my three-way tie is... Lincoln, Zero Dark Thirty, and the slight winner, which is is actually my number two, Life of Pi. 
which I just recently saw. So maybe that's like coloring my opinion a little bit to make it actually get into the number two slot. But it was a beautiful film. Obviously, I enjoyed it. Number two for me would be Argo. Nail biting. It was a lot of fun. I, I love that film. And it was amazing to me that it actually won just because it didn't feel like a normally what the Oscars go for, uh, just because I actually enjoyed the film. Uh, and it wasn't like way artsy or even trying to call attention to how awesome it was. Uh, but it was quite a great, enjoyable, fun, exciting film. So Argo, number two for me. My number two is Lincoln. Let me say this. Steven Spielberg hasn't made us like a really great movie in quite some time, but I love the screenwriter of this one. So going into it, I kind of had mixed expectations and I was pleasantly surprised. I thought the direction, the directing was restrained. The uh, performances were pretty spectacular and I just loved it. Yeah, I, I didn't anticipate loving it, but I did. So it's my, my number two. Josh? Yeah, I, I think it's mine too. I, I think I got to go with Lincoln. Again, I, I still want to put Les Mis in two or three, but I'm just going to stick with Lincoln. Okay. Sounds so I guess good. that puts us to number one. Indeed it does. My number one is Argo. I loved that movie. I think it was everything you want a movie to be. It, you know, it had all aspects of goodness. And like Chris said, I, I wanted it to win. I figured it would win from all of the buzz, but still was a little surprised because it seems, I mean, I guess it wasn't mainstream, but it seems pretty mainstream to be the Oscar winner. But it's definitely my number one. I loved everything about it. Number one for me is Zero Dark Thirty. I I adored that movie. It is right up my, my alley. I love uh, kind of behind the scenes spy stuff. And especially when it's based on true life event. I mean, obviously Argo fits in that as well. But Zero Dark Thirty is so recent and just being able to watch that film and see events that I remember actually watching on CNN uh, and kind of seeing a little bit of the backstory and a little bit of kind of how we got from point A to point B. Uh, that was fascinating. I mean, obviously we see it in graphics and we hear and talk about it in, you know, articles and all that kind of stuff, but to see it, you know, in a cinematic way and especially, especially those last 20 minutes of the film, it, I mean, it went beyond like excitement and like involvement. I just was completely just drawn in and, and I couldn't take my eyes away. So I, I freaking loved Zero Dark Thirty. Every single second of that movie was, was for me really enjoyable and, and, and pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. My number one is Life of Pi. I really, really, really love movies that deal with bigger questions. And in particular, I love movies that are about story or that convey story very well. And so I kind of had a double whammy there with Life of Pi. It's a movie about stories and why people tell stories and the importance of how they help us get through things or even believe in things. And I thought it was visually, I saw it in 3D. And there are a couple of movies I saw last year where I really thought the 3D is so spectacular that it's worth the extra money to see it in 3D, where most of the time I see a 3D film and I'm pretty aggravated because it's so dark and it just doesn't add anything. But uh, one of those being Prometheus. But in this case, I think Life of Pi may be a visually spectacular film that I've ever seen. It was masterfully directed. And uh, I just thought about it a long time after I left the movies. And as jaded as I am, uh, any movie that can have that effect on me is good. So uh, it was my clear number one, Life of Pi. You totally stole my thunder. <laughs> I was going to be all controversial. I know I'm not supposed to pick this as number one. But yeah, that's 
That's me too. For some of the same reasons, being the academic philosophical elitist that I am, any movie that <laughs> any movie that makes yeah. me think or that especially a movie that causes a conversation about it and the issues it brings up the next day. That doesn't happen with movies a lot. And it did with this one and it was great. We we were when we saw it, it had been out for like a couple weeks or a couple months, and we didn't expect the theater to be crowded, but we got there a little late, and we had to sit literally in the second row and right up there in front of the screen, Ooh. and we saw it in 3D, too. So mm. I s kind of see what you mean about the good 3D, but not totally. Yeah, That was one of the things that we actually missed out on, and I, I actually think it damaged the film for us because we watched it in um, 2D on our television here at home yeah and it was just i mean the, the, it's funny there's that flying fish sequence in the film mm -hmm. that, that that sequence for me when it when it when you're watching it in 2d it suddenly cuts to like letterbox and like the fish are flying outside of the frame and oh. you could tell like oh okay this was meant for 3d and then there's another sequence that was obviously all you know <laughs> the, computer generated that shipwreck um, was spectacular in 3d the shipwreck yeah. was unbelievable I, I could tell. I could just tell that it was absolutely designed, built, and fought for 3D, and I was missing that dimension. So I, that's actually really one of the reasons why it's not even on here on my three, just because I, even though I enjoyed the film, I still felt like I was missing something, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Good, good, good list, guys. really goes to show what a strong year in film we had, especially compared to last year's Oscars. There are just so many quality films this year that there were literally a handful of films that could have won, and I would have been okay either way. Let's jump to what won an Oscar versus who we think or what should have won based on the nominees. And what we're going to do here is we're going to do supporting actor and supporting actress, uh, lead actor, actress, director, and film. So I'll read off who won. And then we'll just go around and see if you guys agree with that or if you think someone else should have won. And then we'll keep the discussion brief on why uh, we agree or disagree. So the first one we're going to start with was the first Oscar of the night. And I have to be honest, this was a shock to me. And that was Best Supporting Actor. And Christoph Waltz won for Django Unchained. Any thoughts on that, on uh, whether he should have won or not? This was definitely a shock to me, too. I, I was at an Oscar party where we, you know, pool our money and bet on who's going to win and whatever. And I thought I had it in the bag until that one. I was rooting, although I didn't think he was going to win. But I was really rooting for Tommy Lee Jones in this one. I thought that he was excellent in Lincoln. And I am not yeah. a Tommy Lee Jones fan at all. I really have never liked him in much. But in Lincoln, I just thought he really was that character, made that character, and added a huge part to the film that wouldn't have been there without he made him. It, so. He made it enjoyable. Like, he did. He totally it, did. But that film would have been a little bit more... He, he and James Spader, I think, gave a little bit of life to what would have been a very dreary and dark um, film. So I, I, really liked, I really liked him. It's funny because I'm a super huge James Spader fan, yeah. but until yeah. you just said his name, I, I forgot he was even in that movie. Like, really? I oh, like Tommy great. Lee Jones. No, yeah, he, he, he is great. great. He is great, but I don't think he stole the show. I think Tommy Lee Jones was... Yeah. Extremely okay. Well, Tommy Lee Jones had the James Spader speeches. Well, that's right. Exactly. James Spader that's from Boston Legal. Boston Legal. Exactly. That's what made it. The yeah. greatest You're legal right. monologues ever Josh, on TV. That, 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 that's hilarious. You're right. Because yeah, th that is the reason, though. Like, you, you always wonder, like, because at the beginning, you're not sure if Tommy Lee Jones is a good guy or a bad guy, if he's going to, you know, give in to his, you know, morality and all that kind of stuff. It's just, I, it, 
for me, it was it was it was cool. His, his ambiguity and how 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 he played with that. It was it was it was it was it made the film. So we've got two votes for Tommy Lee Jones. Josh, what did you think? I again, I haven't seen Django or The Master, which is also on my list for one to see. Everyone in this category did a great job, as far as I know, except for Christoph Waltz, because I don't know. Yeah. But Philip Seymour Hoffman's great in everything, so I don't yep. know whether he should have won, but I know everyone else was really great. Yep. So. And Alan Arkin was hilarious, too. He was. He was. He was great. I was De Niro ha- was very convincing in Silver Linings, too. Yeah, I was but about to say, De Niro, it's the first, the first uh, role I've seen him in in a while where I thought... It was pretty great. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Christoph Waltz here. I thought he was the highlight of Django Unchained, just very much uh, like he was in Inglorious Bastards, but in a completely different way. And I'm not going to get into spoilers, but where he plays someone who is that you actually root for. And he he was spectacular. Let's move to supporting actress. This is probably the one category where I think the entire world knew who was going to win. Yep. And that's what happened. And that's Anne Hathaway. Any yeah. thoughts on that? Are we all in? I personally think there's no doubt she should have won it. So. I, 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 I cried a river during that scene in Les Mis. It, it was Absolutely. it was unbelievable just because of the sheer fact that it was pure acting. It was not editing. It was obviously cinematography sitting in there. But like it was literally a camera and a woman in a performance. And it was brilliant. It, it, there was just a brilliant sequence and. It was amazing. It was what the one the technique there to allow them to sing on set while it damaged the singing. It certainly added a new element of emotion to the performance that was just wonderful. And her performance, as I mean, it, it, the part of it, the reason why it works so well is because she doesn't have to be perfectly singing because she is so broken. I mean, that's right. a part of it. Yep. Yeah. So we're all in agreement. Absolutely. Yeah. All I mean, right. Sally Field gets a nod from me because sure. she was really good as a character that I absolutely hated, but wasn't she was good she, at it. Wasn't yeah. she literally in that film for nine minutes, though? I mean, oh. literally. No, in that she was film in there for nine minutes. The film was like four hours long. Yeah. She had to be in there <laughs> for longer in than that. Anne Hathaway right. was only in there for about exactly. 15. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just don't remember Sally Field being in. Like, I mean, I remember her. You don't remember her there. throwing herself on the floor and screaming and crying. I do, and I, I remember I that. to myself. Lincoln, just walk away. Just walk away. <laughs> right. All right. Let's move on to actress in a leading role, and the winner of this category was Jennifer Lawrence. The other nominees were Jessica Chastain, Emmanuel Riva, Naomi Watts, and Vincent. Yeah, well, Vincent Wallace from *Beasts of the Southern Wild*. So, any thoughts there? Melody? I was definitely happy that Jennifer Lawrence won it. I think she definitely deserved it. But I was more happy that Jessica Chastain did not win it because (laughs) I did not like her in Zero Dark Thirty at all. And she's the reason why Zero Dark Thirty is not on my top three. I just, I didn't connect with her character. Melody, and I not, to. you could I'm not sorry. be more wrong. Melody, you, you could don't not agree be with more me, wrong. But that's how I Melody, feel. you could Jeez. not be more right. Zero Thank Dark you. Oh my 30. Gosh. You too. Zero Dark it, 30 has this, a, a spectacular opening, a spectacular closing, and then two hours of complete boredom. And no. cold, dispassionate, oh my pedestrian acting. Are you serious? Look, look Chris I'm, likes unrelatable masculine women. I'm All serious. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> listen, just just Chastain. There there are several moments in Zero Dark Thirty where that she yells. She does no no no. The the best piece <laughs> of acting in that film is when she is not sure that the 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 op is going to happen, and she's sitting there staring. She just had a wonderful conversation with all of these elite of the elite in the armed forces or whatever. And she knows these are the guys that might be called to go do something. And she gets a phone call saying that 
it, it's going to happen. And the moment that happens, she change, goes from being a kind of, you know, giddy, just kind of playing around and just kind of chilling with these guys to suddenly realizing that she may have just sentenced them to death or whatever. And she go, it goes, I mean, th- there's a moment and there's not even a, there's, she's not talking. It's just a look. And at that moment, I knew that she was doing something pretty spectacular and was very, very good in that role. Go back and watch that sequence. I, I guarantee you, you'll say, wow, okay, yeah, yeah. No, she, she definitely has the so acting chops. she had one look. Uh, no, there's yeah. several, there's several moments. Come on, dude. There was a, it was a subtle performance. I'll give you that. She's, she's not even a real person. person. She's not a person. I, but what I'm saying, I understand that. But what I'm saying is, is that she's, she's, she's actually, she's acting like a real person. She's not, she's no. not the you know, wild and crazy, nope. uh, you know, drunk mother with, you know, a peg leg. You know what I mean? Like she, she, she's playing a real person. Wait, what? Anyway. I just feel like that film would have been so much more if you would have connected with her character. Absolutely right. About how she felt and you just don't. And, it, just, and it's, it's a Catherine Bigelow issue. Again, I felt the same way about the Hurt Locker. But you know what? Here's the deal, though. This movie does not care about her personal life. It doesn't care about what she does on the weekends or character or, or any of that kind of stuff. It's not about her character. It's it is act- about the story of, of her. This thing. Yeah, no, 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 no. It about- just makes the film less. It just makes it more two-dimensional. Uh, no, Sorry, it is it not. Is. It is. It, it was All right, let's move, let's move on. Let's Leave move on. Let's move on. All right, so, so I am pissed off. She so, did not win. I wanted Jessica so Chastain. Chris wants Jessica Chastain. Josh, what about you? You okay with Lawrence, or you have somebody else? I'm okay with her because I've only seen two of those movies. Covengine was good, but the fact that she didn't really have well, a lot of the movie is narration, and so she didn't have to deliver a lot of lines, which is fine because she's very young. But anyways, Lawrence was good. I'm fine with. Her. Okay, I'm okay with and, her too. Although I imagine when I see a more, and that's the only one that I haven't seen, I imagine yeah. Emmanuel Riva is probably yeah. gonna sway my my thinking on that. All right, guys, let's move over to actor in a leading role. The winner was again very much like Anne Hathaway expected. This was Daniel Day Lewis who became the first actor in history to win three leading Academy Awards. The other nominees were Cooper, Joaquin Phoenix, Denzel Washington, and Hugh Jackman. Anybody have any disagreement with Daniel Day Lewis? Are Absolutely we, not. No, I totally agree. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis was was Lincoln. He wasn't even playing a role. He was he was Lincoln. Daniel Day Lewis was magnificent. But I'm going to rock the boat here just a little bit and say that I think Joaquin Phoenix should have won for the Master. Thank goodness. I thought you were going to say Hugh Jackman. <laughs> I was about to, I have to, no. I to have something Denzel. to say. No way. I mean, now Denzel was great, but the character that he played. I mean, every mannerism, every little tick that he developed around this character was. It's just an, a master's class in acting. I, and Dana Day-Lewis, you can't be mad at him winning because he was absolutely brilliant as Lincoln. But if I had to if I had to pick, I think Joaquin Phoenix would be my choice. Have you guys seen The Master? Nope. I have not. I no, really it just actually hit it just hit video on demand like two days ago. So it is definitely on my list of things to rent and watch. It's, Bios, it's like. not an easy watch, and I didn't. It's probably, it's a pretty inaccessible film. I didn't love the film, but his performance was the highlight for sure. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on a couple more and we'll get through this. Let's go to Best Director, which was another mild surprise. I think most people had Spielberg penciled in, but it went to uh, Ang Lee. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I, I definitely was expecting Steven Spielberg to win. That's why it was good that he didn't. Yeah. Nice little yeah. shake up. Ang Lee, I guess, I guess Life of Pi was good enough that it de- <laughs> he definitely deserved <laughs> good to enough. Be, they could put that be. on their poster. Well, I'm just Life saying, Ang Lee, I've not really enjoyed many of, most of his films. Mm. And so I'm just saying that it definitely was, the what he did there is is deserving of 
of the award. Yeah, I mean, it was a most improved Pi... award. Right. Yeah. Except it was best directing. <laughs> Life of Pi was supposed to be like the unfilmable book. So right. the fact right. that he filmed it so well, I mean, I definitely think it, it was, was a good. little bit of an upset, but I'm good with it. Yeah. Okay. All right. That takes us to best picture. The winner was Argo. I guess that we should probably mention one of the most talked about snubs was Ben Affleck not mm-hmm. getting a nomination for Argo. Yeah. He actually won awards and several other directing awards and several other uh, awards leading up to the Oscars. So thank, maybe thank you for bringing that up because that is what I, if if he would have been nominated there, I would have said Ben Affleck should have won. Or Catherine Bigelow for uh, uh, no. Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, stop it. No. Either one of them. Either one <laughs> no. of them. Nope. Okay. Anybody have any disagreements with Argo winning, or is everybody okay with that? Oh, I'm definitely okay with it. It was a great film. Yeah. The I'm, category was strong, so, I mean, I, I don't yeah. know. They're pretty close, in my opinion. There, there are some years where the category is not very strong, and it's almost yeah. like this, But th- these were all very good, good films, so... Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm okay with Argo, even though Life of Pi was my favorite. I'm okay with Argo winning. Let's yeah. move on. Well, cool. so not oh, not everything was strong. Two things that didn't deserve to be in Best Picture category because it's just so big and they're taking in everyone is Silver Linings Playbook and Beasts of the Southern Wild. Gotcha. Just for the record, I will actually agree with both of those, Josh. I agree. Also agree. Yeah, it, they, they, they did seem a little bit strange, but at the same time, they're both. Good films. They weren't like, oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah, they weren't why terrible. Is, why is that there? All right. So to wrap up this category, um, I think we're just going to do a quick little 30-second or so recap of high points, low points, surprises in the Oscars. Let's start with Melody. All right. Well, yeah, I thought it was a good show. I thought pretty much things went as expected. I guess I didn't really have too many surprises besides maybe Ang Lee, but that was a good thing. Uh, I was talking off camera or off camera, off mic about the fact that I really wish Skyfall would have won cinematography. I really felt like Life of Pi was more all about visual effects and very deserving of that award. Uh, and then also I'd like to discuss at some point in the near future the visual effects. I don't want to say strike because not a strike, but the protesting that was going on outside the Oscars and the slow trend towards outsourcing visual effects to other countries and, and production houses outside the United States. But overall, the the actual Oscars was awesome. It was fun. I was watching it like at two o'clock in the morning, so I kind of blacked out of a few pieces of it. But overall, it was an that's when it show. ended. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say overall for me, I I think the Oscars are almost completely meritless and worthless just because of the demographic Agreed. of the people that are voting and there's so much our political campaigning and so forth. Plus, you know, to and not to sound pretentious because I don't think any of us are this way except for Josh, legitimately. But you know, we're it's a very subjective thing and we're judging art. You know, so who's to say what is best, etc. But I still love it. I still enjoy the spectacle, and it's about film, which is you know my passion. So I'm I always enjoy it very much. I like the return of a lot of the music, but I think it was a little too bloated. But overall, yeah, I enjoyed it, and I'll definitely I'll definitely watch again next year. It was a good show that meant nothing. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. So I've, surprises for me. Les Mis beats The Hobbit for makeup and hairstyling. Seriously. <laughs> And number two, it took two people to write Skyfall, the song, <laughs> that she then recorded in 15 minutes. Josh, have you ever tried to write a song? Yeah. It's a good what, song. It is let a good the song. Skyfall, let it crumble. <laughs> we'll stand tall. Josh, what do you think will happen if the I'm sky falls? It's going to crumble. Here's my award. 
<laughs> it's not necessarily how it was written. It was how it was sung, Josh. Are, Are we right? actually talking about this right now? <laughs> it was wonderful. I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> Except that Quentin Tarantino hasn't written a good movie since Pulp Fiction. Oh, those, those, on, those are fighting words, That's sir. It. Those are fighting Wrong. words. In a future. Bastards. He has Glorious made bastards. enjoyable movies. He has not written Josh, a good script Josh, since Pulp Fiction. We're going to stop we will, We're going to stop right now before I punch my uh, monitor because that would do damage <laughs> to me. Because you don't have a microphone. I know, no. I know. All right, guys, that is the main event. The Cutting Room Floor. Well, this is The Cutting Room Floor. We're going to have this segment each week, and basically it's just going to be kind of what's left over that we want to talk about and hopefully that you want to hear about. So today we're going to kind of do a bit of a 2012 retrospective, maybe let you guys get to know us and our tastes a little bit more. So let's see, for our first topic in our 2012 retrospective, Let's talk about our biggest disappointments of 2012. Chris, you want to start? Sure. I think my biggest disappointments movie-wise would be, number one, I think would probably be, well, something that actually didn't come out in 2012, and that is G.I. Joe Retaliation. Where the heck did that movie go? It was supposed to come out last summer. I was looking forward to it, excited. Guess what? It's now coming out in like a couple of weeks. It was delayed. Like It's going to be terrible. But, I mean, a, a year and change... It was delayed. Unbelievable. Wow, you have set the bar low for disappointments. Now the disappointment, The Bourne Legacy was pretty bad, especially seeing the film. It was enjoyable. But then after afterwards, just thinking about it and what actually happened and occurred in that movie, the main character there is just deplorable. And it was just not a good movie. It just it really disappointed me because I thought they could really do something really cool with that universe. And they just decided to to kind of take it off the rails. And then one thing that is not movie related. I don't know if I, are, are we doing non-movie related? Yeah, or? sure. Yeah. Okay. That is, no. something that, <laughs> that is, some, shut up, Josh. Uh, that is something, that is something that's actually being released this evening. And it's a, it's a iOS game that I have really loved the series. I don't know if you guys are familiar with real racing. Have you guys heard about this? So real racing one and two are some of the very best, games to come out uh, on the iOS platform. Uh, it's a racing game, like a simulation type game, like a Gran Turismo. Real Racing 3 has been in development for about a year now, and they have really been you know, showing us awesome stuff about it and been very excited about you know, the game itself. And then word leaked about two weeks ago that the game is actually going to be free. Uh, normally, those games are like 10 bucks, like they're, they're premium price, right? The game's going to be free. And I'm like, free? Why? Oh, no. They're doing this freemium thing now. And so now you have to like pay for like, like fixing your hubcap or uh, like real world money, like in-app purchases to like clean up you know, your car to buy a new uh, coat of paint. Get or, used to it. Welcome to the like, future. Or like, you know, all this kind of really. And it, well, the reason why is because EA acquired that studio. And so now EA yep. has placed this, uh, I don't know, this directive that all their games have to have in-app purchases uh, to do all these really silly things. And I wish I could just pay... I mean, I'd pay 15 bucks, 20 bucks for the game. This is that good. But instead, they want to do these little nickel and dime you. And it just really, it really gets under my skin. That really disappoints me. I was super excited about the game. And now I'm just, I'm kind of ticked. Just anyway, wait. I don't know anything just, about that series. But. Yeah, wait until we're still paying 60 and $70 for a game and you still have to pay more to unlock new content. Yeah. Yeah. EA, EA has said every single game that they make, whether it be on a console, on a mobile platform, anywhere, any, any game they make will have 
in-app purchases. It's a directive. Just, they, they, they say that you have, they just came out today saying this is going to be their business model. For I was going to say, I haven't heard anything of the series, but if EA bought them, you're screwed just in general because EA makes terrible games. I, I disagree. They make some very good games. Yeah, Madden 93. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. All downhill from there, my friend. Uh, yeah. Well, EA does make some good good games, but mostly it's because it's from these production companies they've acquired. And man, I just I'm so ugh, disappointed. Well, my my uh, biggest disappointments of 2012 uh, are both films, both that were highly anticipated. And uh, the first one is definitely I agree with you, Chris. Is the Born Legacy? This was just boring. How can a Born movie be boring? Uh, it had a couple of good action set pieces. The the one in the house in particular, and I won't go any, into any more specifics, was actually pretty excellent. But overall, just a big disappointment. And by far, my biggest film disappointment of 2012, and it's not even close, and you may disagree, but I'm going to have to drop some facts on you, is The Dark Knight Rises. That movie was one big pile of garbage. I couldn't believe how overbloated, how incomprehensible it was just a bad film. And I like Christopher Nolan, and I think The Dark Knight is a borderline masterpiece. And so The Dark Knight Rises for me was at probably at the top of my list of most anticipated film. I saw it in IMAX, great viewing conditions, full theater, and I just could not have been more disappointed. The action was weak. The fight scenes were terrible. Batman was only in, you know, in a two-hour and 40-minute movie. The main character was in it for like 40 minutes. Just a big disappointment for me. We need to do a special episode where we talk about The Dark Knight Rises because I would like to just discuss some of those points that you just made. And I will, After I go see it. I will hold my tongue, uh, but just say that you were wrong. It's okay that, that I'm is, right. That's it. It's okay no, to no, be wrong. No. I don't think anyone would argue that it's not The Dark Knight, but I'm yeah. sure... I, I think that's what ruined it for you. Is it, that you, oh, no. You really oh, no. you're expecting something okay, like The Dark Knight. No, and let's then, take The Dark no, Knight out of that. No, 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 the no, no. no. Let's just not talk about it. Batman Begins is far superior. Not yes. far superior. All right. Yeah, Batman Let, Begins was an awesome movie. Right, and, and Dark Knight Rises was not. So there you go. We, we need to talk about it later. <laughs> Sounds like it's disagree. <laughs> All right, Josh. Disappointments for you. Yeah, well, I don't have anything nearly as well thought out as all of your high criticism. But my biggest disappointment would have to be casting Russell Crowe in Les Mis and ruining one of my favorite stories of all time by putting a man who clearly had a mouthful of things I can't say on a family show. (laughs) Awful. Awful. Granted, I hate Russell Crowe in everything he's in, except for maybe A Beautiful Mind where his accent that he can't get rid of was appropriate. But Les Mis, seriously. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I agree with you. Totally I agree. agree. That's a good point. All right. Well, mine, uh, I didn't think of the Russell Crowe thing, or that probably would have been it because that was atrocious. But my two TV disappointments of 2012. Oh, yeah. Revolution and Alcatraz. Don't know if you guys remember that one. It was way back in January. I uh, tried to both, forget it. Yeah. Both J.J. Abrams shows sure. <laughs> both had hope in my heart. I tried to love them and obviously hated them like everyone else did. That was very disappointing. I think Unlike, Revolution's still going on, isn't it? Oh, is it? Ugh. 
Yeah, I think, I think that's still. I think that's still running. It is an atrocity. Well, they're still making fringe, so no, they're, no, they're not. not. So <laughs> no, they're not. Yes, I win. Shut up. Well, we're gonna fringe get. We're gonna get back to fringe. Is an excellent show, and you yeah, would know if you yeah. watched it. I did until I couldn't take it anymore. I'm with dude, you, Josh. Dude. Not. Let's. Let, no. let, 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 we'll discuss this. You're wrong. We'll discuss this in a little bit. All right. As for my movie disappointment. I'm a little unsure if I want to say this because it might be an unpopular opinion, but I think it was actually Prometheus. I had very, very high hopes for that movie. And although I enjoyed the film as I was watching it, obviously it had many holes and just fell far short of what I had hoped for it. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's a movie that gets worse the more you think about it. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, we've already talked about Oscar films, and so we'll move through this quickly. But I'm going to, this is a, a differentiate between what we may think is the best film versus what was our favorite film. Yeah. So for me in 2012, while I certainly don't think this was the best film from a craft standpoint or acting, etc., my favorite film, if I'm being honest with myself, was The Avengers. Yes. I, I can't remember a time yes. where I left the theater thinking, wow, I just really loved everything about that. Even though it's there's some silly parts and some things that are, you know, I, I didn't love, I just smiled the whole time and had a great time. So for me, my favorite film of 2012 is The Avengers. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know who's going next, but I totally agree with you. That was what I put on here. The Avengers was everything i mean you you know sometimes you pay money to go see a film and you think was that really worth the you know 16 bucks that i just spent to sit in the theater and watch this film it was it was an enjoyable experience but it wasn't that great but the avengers was worth the ticket price and worth so much more it was really it was it was a ride it was an experience it was perfect it was a great great movie i loved it Yep, totally agree. I, I couldn't decide between Avengers and Argo. Obviously very different movies, and I enjoyed them both very much. I actually put Argo, but I loved them both. Josh? Josh. I hate to bow to peer pressure. I liked, I really enjoyed the Avengers too. Um, but I think for my favorite, I, I still have to go with Life of Pi, just for all the reasons I mentioned before. Excellent. Sweet. Cool. All right, so last question. What was your favorite TV show, favorite or favorite guilty pleasure of this past year? You have to define that, don't you, Josh? <laughs> well, it's one or the other. Oh, you, oh, would you like me to define guilty and pleasure? Well, why don't you? I've got some very colorful descriptions. <laughs> I was so excited to hear. Uh, my favorite, I, I actually put two here, and since we've already brought it up, uh, I'm going to say both of them. My first one will be Fringe, because <laughs> Fringe is a fantastic show, and it just went off the air. If you've only seen it in its first season, you're just seeing it kind of getting its legs. It was it, it turned into an amazing series that was the best sci-fi on on television. It was really very, very good. And I, I would recommend that you go see it because every episode was well written. Like I said, they just had their last season, just did a farewell you know, series finale, and it was it was really well done. I Full totally circle. agree. There is there are very few series out there where, that you can watch the whole series and it is a story from start to finish without any just dragging it on, adding whatever kind of crap at the end of the show to keep yeah. dragging it out. I mean, literally, I don't I don't know that they knew exactly where they were going from the beginning, but it yeah. definitely concludes that way. JJ finally, or at least a JJ show, quote unquote, because right. JJ had nothing really to do with the show after the first you know couple of episodes or whatever. But the, the, the finally a JJ show that ends as well as it began and it actually delivers on it got better as time grew every and, character um, got better yeah yeah everything it was, it was great. an amazing show I, I can't it, 
even if you don't if you've tried it before, I would say just skip, you know, a couple of episodes in the first season and just start. I think it's on Netflix streaming. I know it's on Hulu, but uh, definitely. Yeah, just, I would recommend. just skip the first 12 or 13 episodes. It'll finally get yeah. good. My Honestly, my favorite television show of last season of last yeah, last season last year is Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's totally mine. All things considered, Game of Thrones is just awesome, fun. Call it a guilty pleasure or a favorite TV show, whatever you want to call it, because it's awesome. Because there's lots of boobies. Well, it's not the Oh, well, show. see, I wasn't that excited about it, but <laughs> now. Sounds like good television like to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So my favorite show of uh, 2012 was Breaking Bad. I watched from the first season up to uh, where it currently is. And I really can't add anything new to the discussion that hasn't already been said. Fantastic acting, the direction, the cinematography, everything about it is as advertised, and I love it. Now, I'm very ashamed to admit my guilty pleasure, and I'm going to be very transparent when I say that once I say this, I will never be able to live it down, but I'm going to say it. My guilty pleasure of 2012 and probably the last five or six years is Grey's Anatomy. Dear yeah. Lord. <laughs> I, can't, Dear I Lord. cannot help it. You it is have a, just, listen to me. It is a soap opera. It. Listen Turn to me. I admit, I, I admit that it is a soap opera. It is manipulative. It is ridiculous. Oh. And I love it. I can't get enough. It is wonderful. Grey's Anatomy is my oh. guilty pleasure. Hey, it is what it is, boys. So Man, Help good. me out, Melody. It's good. Chad, I'm with you, Chad. I'm with uh, you. It's good. Yeah, it's wonderful, I'm sure. All right. Chad has totally covered for me on this one because I was going to come out with my guilty pleasure, and but I, I can't top him. My guilty pleasure is just Downton Abbey, which people seem to agree is a generally decent show. So. Yeah, I've heard Amazing. great things about it, but I, I've never actually I, seen it. It's it's good. I since I think Melody has said she hasn't seen this season, I can't spoil everything, but it's good. It's very good. <laughs> Sounds like high awesome. praise. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, well, what really do you want me to say, the show, I mean, Josh? It's it's good. You can. We've, we've got British humor. We've got great cinematography. Yeah. The writing is very strong. It, it, Admittedly, it is a soap opera, just like Grey's Anatomy, but it is a good soap opera. Hey, shut up. <laughs> you, uh, you get a lot of people saying it's a glorification of, of the traditional aristocracy, but it's not. Those people aren't actually watching the show and what is portrayed in it. You've got a bunch of people fighting the system. You have the world changing underneath them, and it's all it's woven together very well. So, is that your guilty pleasure or your favorite show? Sounds boring. Well, considering I start started it this year um, or last year, I mean, it's probably both. Breaking Bad and Mad Men are up there as my favorite shows, but they've been there for several years. Favorite new show, yeah. Well, that's the cutting room floor. The Cutting Room Floor. Thanks so much for joining us on this premiere episode of the Screeners Podcast. Uh, just wrapping up real quick, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a vision of where we see us going over the next several months. First of all, definitely we want to connect with the audience, you guys listening as much as possible. We don't want this to simply just be a monologue where we're just kind of droning on and, and telling you guys what we think. We want to hear what you think and inject that as much as we possibly can 
into what we're doing here. And so you can head over to uh, screenerspodcast.com and there you'll find information on how to get in touch with us. Email, we'll have a Google voice number up there where you can leave a voicemail message if you're old school that way. We'd love to hear from you in any of those ways. And definitely, like I said, we want to talk about what you're interested in. And so as much feedback as we get, the better the show will B. We definitely want to be as relevant as possible. You know, we're just four folks who really enjoy the stuff. We really enjoy film. We love television, you know, the visual arts, video games, even books. Uh, we'll be discussing all of those things, and we want to make sure that we are reaching you guys where you are. Uh, so check us out. You know, you've heard what we've had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to, uh, to the website, tell us what you want, and we will see you guys next time. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.